Hey guys, it's Maddox here. I just want to say thanks for all of you that have been listening to the show so far. I'm just going to remind you that if you want to engage with the show in any other way, you can always go to cavernsandcomedians.com to find out all about our other info. But today I also want to take some special time to thank Nug Nargan, who's our special guest on this episode and the last episode. And we were really lucky to get such a seasoned improviser and podcaster onto the show. We're really glad to have him. And we also want to remind you to check out his podcast. It's called Illusionoid. It's an old-timey sci-fi radio play podcast. If any of that sounds confusing, you should just listen to it because you will be immediately wowed by it. So check out Illusionoid, and in the meantime, enjoy today's episode. Welcome to Caverns and Comedians, Dungeons and Dragons-powered storytelling with Toronto Comedians. Last time, the party teamed up with Mogrim Brownfist to explore the dungeon under the stadium. On the walls are faded, tattered tapestries depicting paladins and clerics marching. It's depicting initiation rites that would seem familiar to Agatha. The initiation rites of a cleric of Helm. You would recognize that these are depicting the rites that you went through when you became a cleric. Uh, the room doesn't seem, is not like the room you would have been in when you took part in these rites. Well, you know, this looks like the initiations that I went through, but there's something off about it, and this is certainly not the rooms that I would have done it in. Yes, well, they must have been pretty misguided to be doing this in a lich's dungeon. I wonder if this is some kind of perverted version of helm worship. Ooh. Or maybe the lich was like a helm priest or something first, yeah? Yes, and then got lost along the way. Mm. Oh, I mean, helm's not that great of a god anyway, right? Like, he's kind of a dick. Excuse me? Agata draws her sword. Well, he's no kangaroo with an ice cream cone. Yeah, well, I mean, he's, like the, he's, the, he's the god that like tried to kill Mistra. I think even did kill Mistra. But Mistra's still cool. Why do you suddenly care so much about Helm? I just don't like people insulting the god of Helm. Yeah, but you're like the worst cleric like ever in terms you're a of terrible like cleric. spreading the word of Helm. I've, I got a sheath her sword. I will remember that next time you're lying dead in front of me asking me to save you. Well, I, it just it, The sword shouldn't come before the heels. Helm sword, dick. Mm. Fook looks around the room for any possible exits. Uh, you don't see anything at the other end of the room. Uh... Basically looks like a dead end to you. Yes, I still think there's something fishy about that end of the room, the way uh, those fires just disappeared over there. Yeah, why don't you go check it out, Fook? Yes, why don't you go check it out, uh, Fingers, whatever your name is? Fist. 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 Brown Fist. Fist. So he does. Brown Fist go- walks over and checks the other side of the room. Brown Fist is certain that there is no exit on the other side of the room, even though he's looking at entirely the wrong wall. Yep, nothing over here, guys. Wait a second. That's not the wall you talk about. What? Uh, let me go check it out. Fennec walks up to the correct wall. Are you saying our guest is incompetent at looking at things? Yep. He's not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> you see tapestries. Many mm. fine tapestries. Now he may have been right. <laughs> Hank takes a closer look at the tapestries, trying to see if there's any that would really bring his rooms together in his home. They're tattered, but they were worked upon very well. In fact, there was one at the back wall that just looks... It's them. It's the initiates entering a grand temple that just looks like finer than the rest. 
Yes, uh, let's take that one. That, that one seems like it would hang on a nice wall. Yeah, no, I, I like the colors. Hank reaches up and tries to pull down the tapestry. It falls onto his head, uh, making him think that the world has been plunged into darkness. Oh, no! <laughs> the rest of you, as he flails about under this heavy tapestry, see about three feet off the ground, a little square cut into the, into the wall. And uh, what looks like a trap door leading through the wall. Yes, so there's nothing on this side of the wall. Good job, guys. Good job. I said this wall. I got myself a new tapestry. Finnick is testing the trap door. Is it locked? When he says trap door, I just mean like a swinging door. It is not locked. It was just hidden. So it's like a cat door? Yes. Ah. Finnick, about the size of a cat, (laughs) pokes his head through. Fook looks at this and thinks, hmm, roughly the size of a skull, so he looks for scorch marks on it. You can see that probably these flame skulls have been going back and forth through this. There is char marks on the top of this little little tunnel. Uh, may I point out that I've already stuck my head through this door? Oh, yes. Okay. i got to give Finnick a little don't push. push. Don't push me in there. My head's he already broken. tumbles forward and has a soft landing into a pile of dusty linens. It's like home. You're alive down there? It seems you found the laundry room. It's comfy. Do you happen to see a way out of that room? For some reason, we keep not seeing exits to rooms. Mm, Let me perceive. (laughs) Because there are no secret doors, you see a door directly across from you and one at the other end just to the right. Uh, yep. And do you happen to see how skulls have been opening and closing said doors? Uh, your your perception check shows like little dents from like foreheads hitting these doors repeatedly, <laughs> and they don't seem to have uh, left. So they just hang out in that room that you're in. I guess so. Well, I guess we should move forward. Otherwise, we're moving back. I guess. Fook jumps through the trap door. You are in the laundry room. You know, when people talk about grand adventures, they never mention laundry rooms. That's true. There are robes all about. They're about, they're several hundred years old, so they're not in very good condition. But there are carts that are full of these things. There's some of the manual washers that you have little cranks on, big wash basins. Hank, uh, do you have the ability to mend things? Oh, yeah, no, I can fix anything. Because I was thinking that if we mend some of these robes... Wandering around in the actual uniforms might uh, blend New us in. disguises. We are big fans of disguises. What are you going to blend in to? There's an, we don't see anybody. There's yes, nobody here. we don't here. see anybody but yet. Undead tend to be a little bit confused. We might be able to use that to our advantage. They're dumber than Fook. What? Nothing. Yes, yeah, so come on in. It seems safe. Okay. Wait, shouldn't some of us go the other way? Ooh, split the party. Mm-hmm. You clearly are not that good of a soldier. I'm the best one left. Well, I am a knight. I kind of outrank a soldier. While they're arguing, Agata, arguing via shouting, Agata crawls through the trapdoor and into the laundry room. Hey, Brownfist, why don't you just look into the next room and see if you like it in there? Maybe you like it. Brownfist looks into the laundry room. Hank pushes him from behind. <laughs> <laughs> this, was, this was for the party for expediency. Mm. Hank jumps through the hole himself. You are now in a laundry room. Uh, there's a door in the middle of the wall to the east. And there's a door right at the end of the wall leading south. I'm going to fix up some of these robes, but um, give me a minute because I want to do it right. Fook's going to listen to each door very carefully. The first door, you hear what sounds like drops of water. 
as though there was a leaky roof. In the second door, you don't hear much of anything. All right, so this one door seems to lead to the plumbing. There is a door to the south. Is that where you're going? The one, the non-water room, yes. And Fook is nudging Finnick towards the door saying, dance, monkey, dance. Yeah, it looks like a door to me. Okay. As the gormless Finnick is just about to push this door open, Agata stops him because she sees a tripwire just small and up in the corner blocking that is attached to the door. And you feel that something would happen if you open this door. Wait. Agata points to the tripwire. Uh, hey, guys. No, I finished up everyone's robes. Try them on. I embroidered your name over the left lapel. Uh, thank you, they're Hank. All, they're all personalized. Thanks. I, I appreciate that. Agata throws on her robe. Oh, that's real sharp. Thanks there, kid. Fook puts on a set as well and then heads over to the plumbing room. Finnick puts on a set and says, Hey, wait. First, push up against the wall. Spikes jump out, but because no one was in there, you they retract immediately. And they do not. The trap is disarmed. Ha ha! Good thing I caught it. Otherwise, it would have been mincemeat of you. All right, we saved our lives. Let's go to the next room. You have finally stumbled into a large room. Bookcases line the wall. They're dusty and decayed. In the center is a large statue of the god Helm. But its head has fallen to the ground. Well... This isn't going to be good. Well, books might be important. They always seem to be for some stupid reason. Yes, but it's not usually not a good sign when the statue of the god has his head cut off. Well, what uh, did you expect in a lich's dungeon? Uh, you guys look for danger. I'm going to read these books. Hank systematically starts reading the books one at a time. Every last book contains names. And beside the names are dates of death and how they died. They are all violent deaths, and they all happened hundreds of years ago. Agata, looking around, recognizes this as a helmish role of the dead. For Helm sees all who serve him, all are remembered. Every one of these books contains the name of a cleric or paladin who has died in the service of Helm. Fook is going to reach out with his spiritual senses and try and detect undead in the surrounding areas. Uh, are you a scared man? Are you easily scared? Briefly, but then he tend to forget about it. Uh, well, then he briefly uh, goes a little bit brown in the trousers. There is something strong. There is something very, very strong and dark coming from the south. How does he briefly go brown in the trousers? Does he then suck it back in somehow? Is it there... gets scared and goes back in. <laughs> hey, uh, Fook, why are you shaking? Uh, no particular reason. Let's just not talk about it. Well, is it going to help if we don't talk about it? Well, it's just the obvious thing you'd think of if you were considering the fact that you're in a lich's dungeon. I don't know what the obvious thing is. Oh, I've probably ne- lots of undead. Oh, yes, right on the nose. Yeah, yeah. Oh, great. Um, are we in imminent danger or just kind of always kind of danger? Well, we're always in imminent danger, aren't we? That's what I meant. Like it's how kind of imminent, our thing. On the spectrum of imminent. Well, you're like- a cleric. Being around undead shouldn't be too scary for you. And Fook is roughly in the middle of the room, just turning and sensing undead in every direction. How close are you to the statue? Uh, probably about 20 feet away. Okay. Hank... You don't have to keep reading through every book. It's a ledger of all the people who have died in the service of the god of Helm. Like all of the books? Like maybe there's like one exception? No, no. it's all of them. That's, that's some pretty boring reading. She would know that one book is uh, different. Brown, Brown Fisk makes his way to 
Fook in the middle of the room, hoping he can see all the way down with his dark vision to the other end. There is a door in the middle of the far end of this room. We don't do so well with doors lately. Have you noticed that? Actually, you've been checking them all, so it probably wouldn't hurt to check this one. Well, yes, obviously. Dance, monkey, dance. Hold up, guys. You know what? Helm's kind of a dick. I'm not sure I trust Can you this. stop calling my god a dick? Well, can your no, god stop like, trying no. to kill my god? So I'm maybe. not trying to kill your god. No, your god did. Wait, oh, no, no, no. Agatha, he has a point. There's something fishy about the statue. I'm going to give me a sec. Finnick pulls a Brando Barris and just runs over to the door. Sorry, what? You you're crossing the uh, you're crossing the midpoint of the room. Oh, God, Brownfist, you might not recognize this moment, but this is when it all goes to hell. Oh, I yes. had a good feeling. Mm, yes, okay. <laughs> Hank gets the sense that the broken statue broke a magical seal to keep evil out of this room, which was meant to be a holy room. And you also get a strong sense, and so does uh, Fook, because he was feeling for this, that as soon as uh, Finnick passes the midpoint of this room at a headlong rush, something senses that he's there. It has gone into the sphere of something's awareness, and you are very aware very quickly of what that thing is, because the loudest ear-piercing scream you have ever heard reverberates through your mind. The scream that can only come from a banshee. Well, Finnick will be missed. What the hell's that? Two banshees who appear through the wall at the south end. The banshees come flying into the room screaming, and they do one of those things that ghosts always seem to do where they fly up and down through the side to really give you a good view of them to scare you. Fook looks to see how far away they are from him. Uh, You are about 50 feet away. Fook can't quite cover that distance yet, so he's going to move as close as he can Uh and ready his axe for whenever they come within range of him. But at the same time, he's also going to take, he's going to put fingers in his ears so that he might be a little bit more immune to the sound. Fortunately, he has spare fingers in his bag. Oh, oh God damn it. They're useful. The uh, terrifying visage of this banshee has frightened you. The first banshee is going to hover towards Finnick as it is the closest thing to it. It is going to attempt to reach out and touch you with its corrupting hands. It reaches out, and its chilling hand touches your cheek, and you feel some of the life being drained away from you. Yeah, Grandma? But as you dodge, it only gets a few fingers on you. Yeah, yeah. Wait, what? Grandma? Finnick weasels away because he hates the cold touch of his grandma. Yeah, we're going to have to go into that later. The other one is going to take a deep, ghostly breath. Filling its diaphragm, it is going to use its uh, top-of-the-head voice out of this to really really project in about a 60-foot sphere the loudest, most mournful wail. Normally, this wail throughout legend has the power to kill, but apparently the legends are wrong. It just sort of inconveniences you. None of you would like to hear this again. Ah, Grandma? Ooh, that is not the voice of an angel. The second one move slowly towards the middle of the room. Hank runs up behind Brown Fist, <laughs> places his hands on his shoulders, whispers in his ear, I'm going to juice you, and casts haste. <laughs> I didn't ask for this, but I'll take it. As you look up after casting your spell of haste, you lock eyes on one of the banshees. It stares into your soul, and your soul shudders. That is an unfortunate face. I gotta get out of here. Hank gets out of there by burying his 
face in his hands. Finnick, you might want to back off. And Agata throws a fireball right between the two banshees. It explodes, hitting both of them, but the fire seems to just pass through them, not really doing as much damage as you would have hoped. The fireball grows until it just singes what's left of Finnick's chest hair. Well, I look like a little boy now. For the love of God, wear a shirt. Mm. Finnick sees this banshee directly in front of him, unsheathes his rapier, and attempts to drive it into what he assumes is the heart. As you stab in, you don't quite feel the resistance you normally would if you were attacking a person or a hog or a little small animal of other things. Anything you would normally stab does stabs differently than this thing stabs. It's a ghost. You gotta use magic to stab a ghost. I oh. told you that earlier. Ah, oh, jeez. Finnick realizes that his uh, physical weapons have no uh, next to no effect on these ghosts, and so he disengages and runs behind the statue. Finnick, use your magical weapon! Which one? Your ninja vanish! Morgrim screams into the air, Brown fist! And whirls around in a tornado, wildly swinging at everything, his eyes very wide. And he connects with the banshee, not once, not twice, but thrice. Fook has to dive to his knees to avoid being hit. <laughs> the uh, the Banshee's already tattered robes are now just threads, just threadbare. You have sliced and diced this thing. So Fook is going to hide and cower behind the statue, hoping that he can steal himself and uh, and gain some courage. He fails. There is a little puddle forming around the base of the statue. <laughs> the Banshee that was just... Destroyed almost by Brownfist, tries to reach out, but the tendons that would have allowed it to do so have all been severed, so it does and then recoils back in pain. The other banshee is going to use its wail and unleashes a scream. This wail that would normally kill a man does not. But all of you are shaken on the inside in a way that will take a long time to heal and many hours of therapy. Or forgetfulness. <laughs> many seconds of forgetfulness. Hank turns to run away from the banshee, runs towards Agata. Seeing her, realizes, Hey, Agata, you want some juice too? And shows his potion of haste to her. Uh, yeah, sure. He uncorks the potion and pours it into her mouth as soon as he arrives. Thanks. Agata... Sped up by the haste juice, throws a guiding bolt at the healthier banshee, then draws her magic longsword, runs up at the more tattered banshee, and slices as hard as she can. The first one bounces back with the radiant energy that's been pounded into it, and then the other one is distracted, and then you come up and just slice it down its back, and it screams out in weakened agony and sort of hovers a bit lower. Finnick, realizing that he needs uh, to whip his own magic out, <laughs> that he uh, whips out his dagger of ninja vanish and crawls along the floor towards the closest banshee and shoves it up into the chest of the banshee. He finally uses the fucking magic weapon. It takes a while. It takes a while for him to catch on. It stabs up into its ribs, and you feel that you almost, almost killed this, but it's still up somehow this is still up and you think it's fine it won't know where i am but it turns to look directly at you uh finnick immediately scurries back behind the statue brownfist takes a look at the two barely functional banshees 
and takes three great swings. One at the first very nearly dead banshee, and two at the one that is scaring the heck out of Fook. Hey, Trish, you're so terrifying looking. You now have one actually dead banshee and one very nearly dead banshee again. I mean, for the love of God, don't leave the house without mascara. Fook is still terrified, shaking in his boots. He doesn't have line of sight to these creatures, uh, but there, he can't move towards them either. Fook really feels a surge of bravery and grabs his axe tightly, thinking that he's going to make up for last time if they survive until he gets sacked again. The time is now. The banshee moves in to finish you off. And Fook makes his attacks. Fook feels redeemed as he rises up against this banshee who's come into his space, suddenly feeling that bravery flowing through his, him in his old veins, like lighting fire in his arms. And he swings twice at this banshee, both hits being the most beautiful hits he has done in his entire life slicing into the banshee with this new magic axe that leaves trails of smoke through the air. There is no banshee, for you slice into it, dispersing its evil energy. A whale dies and fades as it passes into the ethereal plane. See, guys, I was useful the whole time! The whole time! You are now in an empty room. Fook takes the fingers out of his ears and then offers fingers to the rest just in case they need it again. No, no, no. we're good. Some of them are pretty fresh. Now, uh, uh, Brownfist and Nagata, you guys are going to be coming down off my juice. Uh, so you really got to just sit down, take a breather. This, this is going to tire you out a little You know, I don't mind sitting down and having a little breather, but uh, this time uh, I, think it's, uh, I think it's a big breather. Bigger than normal. You know, being old, I need a breather now and then. How old are you? Well, uh, none of your beeswax. Ooh, well, okay. Never ask a lady your age. As you guys take a moment, the there's a bit of a rumble. And there's been no light other than the light of the flame skulls or the banshees or other things trying to kill you. And the stupid, stupid disco lights put up by Hank. But suddenly, as if from nowhere, a spotlight shines upon the fallen statue's head. And a voice, it sounds like a kindly old grandmother. You should not have come here. Turn back. Oh, Grandma. Okay. I think we'll ignore that. Well, we knew we shouldn't have come here. We well, know yes, I mean, it's a lich's dungeon. We yes. knew that from the beginning. Let's exactly. keep going. That's part so of being evident. a hero. Yes. Old lady, do you have any, like, more specific criticisms? Don't talk about to my grandma. Point? Don't this talk this to isn't my grandma. your grandma. This is just the it, space grandma. But there's so many grandmas. This is the grandma from you, up above. You don't, even if she is your grandmother, you don't own her. She can speak to whoever she wants. Uh, I know. I just want to get out of the room. Finnick, Hello, lovely lady. Finnick goes towards the door at the far end. Come for my cookies. That sounds vaguely inappropriate. Hank, is she related to you? No, no. This is, probably not. I mean, unless my, my grandma probably, she passed away. So like this, she's probably a ghost. But I don't think this is how I see that sounds different. Fook nudges the head on the ground of the, of Helm with his foot. It no longer seems to be affected by anything. No longer seems to be active in any kind of way. All right. I mean, I could put the I could I could put it back up, and then we could I could mend it until I fix the. Yes. Well, once a magic is broken, it's very hard to put back together. Yeah, that's a good point. Do I you don't... know anything about this? The layout of this place, um, uh, Fingy? I know a little bit about it. But just what I've read before, that everything we want is at the bottom. The bottom. So we need to find a way to go down. Keep going down. Ooh, going down. We should do that. Too easy. Too easy. Well, there's a door here. Finnick opens the door. 
as Finnick opens the door, the bucket of acid that was hanging on the other side. <laughs> Classic <laughs> bucket door. Oh, no. Falls down, showering him in acid, burning ah, his skin. A high school prank. <laughs> the end of me. Ah, Finnick, I. Is anyone getting the feel that this is, like, not a very convenient location to travel through? Like... Well, it's not meant to be. I don't think, think liches are very welcoming yeah, people. There's it's a, a lot dungeon. of yeah. There's a lot of keep out signs. Uh, can I peer through the door? Yes. Using my dark sight or whatever it's called, dark vision. Your nostrils are filled with the smell of rotting, decayed flesh. Is that from him or what's <laughs> it? No, uh, that smells like a, a bit of like an abattoir. Like he's just oh, been like treated. oh yeah, cool. So he's like a slaughterhouse. Yes, but the room is like a charnel house. A charnel house. Okay. Yeah. Fook goes over and helps Finnick to his feet and uh, seems very sympathetic, but is not going to lay hands on him. If I ask you to lay hands on me, husband? Finnick, you've been playing with the heart of a vengeance paladin. How do you remember that? Because it's now written on my shield. Uh-huh. And vengeance paladins are the last people you want to cross. Fook walks into the other room. Agatha? I'm not your husband. I'm going to stay at the back. (laughs) (laughs) It is a long corridor that you find yourself in. As Fook walks casually by Finnick, Agata looks at the party, takes one big breath in, mutters, idiots, under her breath, and casts a prayer of healing over the entire group of travelers. Somebody cares about me. Don't take it personally. She must not know you. Yeah, she cares about me too. I got healed too. Everybody got healed. Well, she healed me, too. I didn't know you felt that way. I thought you were a vengeance paladin, not a vindictive paladin. It's the same damn thing. <laughs> yeah, those, are, those are synonyms, Finnick. As Fook moves forward up the hallway, he's he's carefully looking around for the signs of anything that might be amiss. About 20 feet down this corridor, you stop yourself as you were about to step on what is obviously a pressure plate. Fook looks to see if he can step around the pressure plate. It's about five feet wide. How wide is the hallway? Five feet, but you can jump over it because it's also five feet long. Fook makes a mighty leap. And you all manage to jump over this very deadly pressure plate. So Fook continues to watch carefully as he continues up the hallway. There is a sense of dread building up on you. Uh, As you go deeper and deeper, you less and less want to continue on. My spider sense is tingling, by which I mean my connection to my kangaroo. What does it say? It says happy things are ahead of us, Finnick. What do you think it says? It's a, a danger. I'm going to modify the, the color of the lights of my dancing lights so it's now like a soothing color, like a, a blue, Ooh, a blue mood setting. The sense of foreboding begins to weigh heavily, so heavily, in fact, that you have to actively fight it off to keep going. But Finnick and Agata begin to lose heart. Finnick and Agata find themselves unable to shake this off and... We'll go no further. Come on, guys. I don't oh. think this is a good idea. Fook decides to pick up Agata and continue up the hallway. Agata struggles against him. Fook is just barely able to get this much taller person over his shoulder, so her hands and feet touch on both sides, but he is able to drag her. It's for the good of the mission. No, I don't want to. What is it with you guys touching me when I don't want I to I know be? you don't want to, but we need to. Leave I- her alone! 
I've been told explicitly that we should not do things when people don't want them to. When people don't want to realistically, but this is magic. No, I don't want to do this. Thank you, Hank. Someone grab Finnick. Teach him this lesson that you have learned. Tell him to put me down. Look, I'm just, I'm feeling very conflicted and because that looks like a hug. So it looks like it's a nice thing, but you don't want to. Um, Fook is still moving up the hallway. I'm going to learn my lesson. Hank is going to try to free Agata from Fook's grasp. Uh, Fook is able to stiff arm Hank away and sort of face palms him down to the ground. Fook's essentially dragging two people up the hallway now. Finnick will still not continue on. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm just going to stay back here. He was covered in acid. He makes a good point to stay back. Well, then you come with us. We need you. Okay. Fook happily is leaving Finnick behind. Bye, Finnick. Be safe. You get eventually to the end of the hallway. And as you come within 60 feet of it, those of you who can see, start seeing almost a source of light at the end. And as you get closer and closer, you can start seeing almost a golden glow. And as you come up on it, there's a little bit of a turn. And directly after that turn, a dazzling golden door that glows and shines and glints. A green carving in it that is intricate filigree, almost of jade inlaid. And it just has the most inviting round handle on it. Tiny Fook drags Hank and Agata to the door and then sets them down in front of it and then calls back to Finnick saying, Finnick, I think we found your grandmother. I'm going to stay back here. All right, then the rest of us are going to have to search this door and make sure it's safe before we go in. You may have brought me here, but I'm not moving. You don't understand the hard decisions that must be made when you're on a mission. I'm not moving. I'm not going in there. I'm staying right here. Fine. Then the mission will continue. Yeah, I have, I have, uh, hold on, I can open this door. Ah. Hang on, everybody, I've got the key to this door. While Brown Fist is looking in his bag for his key, Hank investigates the door independently. Hank thinks that he could just pull this door open, that there's nothing actually holding it closed. He doesn't see any kind of locking mechanism whatsoever. No, I don't, why would you need a key? No, this is a normal door, I'm just gonna, Hank pushes it open. Breaking the rune, force damage, blasts you away from this door. Fook just watches Hank sail through the air past them, and thanks God that he's so short. Nah, he had a point. Ow. The door is still not open. As I I said, here's the key. (laughs) I'll open the door. I thought maybe it was a different door. You know what? I'm just going to let you... Fook still uh, sidles slightly away from the door. The key looks like... A, it's a claw on the end of a rod, and at the end of the rod is uh, a grip that will pull the claw closed. He closes it around the round handle and manages to pull it, safely pull it open. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) See, that wasn't tough at all. If you just listened to the old man who said he had a key, everybody'd be fine. These people don't believe in the wisdom of old men. That's fine. You see before your staircase leading down. It goes down about 60 feet, and then you can see it sort of lead forward. Hmm. Okay, so I can see the landing? Yes. Is there anything special about the landing? Not that you can see. Okay. Exactly where we were told to go. Yes, down. Into the dungeon. Agatha, you're letting a hallway beat you here. 
Agatha, I really felt that you'd be stronger against these sorts of things. A woman growing up in the clergy? Clearly you face something more difficult than this. Well, apparently this is the straw that broke the camel's back, so to speak. I'm not moving forward. Fook lifts her again. Seriously? Again? Really? Just throw women over your shoulder and... Eventually you'll see the wisdom of this. You're not yourself right now. That's what all those... Oh, you didn't just say that. All right. Are we ready to go down these stairs or what? I think you should go back and get Finnick. I'll, I'll talk to Finnick. I'm not very persuasive, but I'll do my best. Finnick! Yeah? Why don't you come with us? <laughs> ah, Grandma. She's not there, I checked, I promise. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I'm real convincing. Well, if Grandma isn't there, be right there. Agata is on the shoulders of Fook. Finnick is now... No longer afraid of a kindly old lady. Hank is not going to interfere with uh, the party moving forward, I believe. No. You're not going to try and fight him again? Since all of you have been screwing this up the whole time, I guess I'll lead the way. Brownfist steps into the stairs. And by stairs, I should have said super happy fun slide, because the, f- <laughs> <laughs> the first step on these stairs, they fall flush. And it becomes a sheer diagonal drop. And that landing you see was an illusion. This was a horrible mistake! Thanks for coming along, though. We appreciated it. I had more to tell you about what was coming, but now you'll never know! The last you see of Morgrim Brownfist are the bracers falling down and Nagata because you're being hefted on the shoulders of Fook, there's one little glint you see of the maker's mark of your family crest as his bracers fall into the deep, falls through the illusory floor, and keeps falling. For all you know, he fell forever. Slack-jawed, Fook puts Agata gently down. Well, he seemed nice. Yeah, I liked him. So... We were right to be scared? I really need to see my dad. This has been Caverns and Comedians, Dungeons and Dragons powered storytelling with Toronto Comedians. Starring Oliver Georgiou as Finnick the Rogue, Joanna Houghton as Agatha the Cleric, Scott Thrower as Fook the Paladin, Maddox Campbell as Hank the Wizard, and Kyle Scott as the Dungeon Master, and special guest Nug Nargang as Mogram Brownfist. This has been a Kicks and Giggles production created by Kyle Scott and Maddox Campbell, with editing by Maddox Campbell, theme music by Derek Baldwin, and engineered by Andrea Miller. Find out more at cavernsandcomedians.com, and please rate, share, and review the podcast. Thanks for listening. closes it around the round handle and manages to pull it effectlessly backwards. Effectlessly wasn't the word I was going to... No, for, no uh, effortlessly. Effortlessly. No, it's like, there's, nothing's happening. Um, to no ill consequence? Is able to no ineffectively. In, oh, that's not the word. Is just able to pull it open. Inconsequentially. It's, it's consequential that he opens it. He's safely. just able to safely pull it open. There you go. <laughs>
If you've enjoyed this podcast, you might also enjoy... Hello, this is Nug Nargang from Illusionoid, and if you like improvised comedy and old-style sci-fi radio, then Illusionoid is the podcast for you. Each week, we start with a title and improvise a completely new sci-fi comedy adventure. Tune in weekly for the grand adventures of Illusionoid, and maybe you can prevent the future from happening. Once upon a time, there was a gnome. Once upon a time, there was an elf. Once upon a time, there was a little Once upon a time, there was a gnome. Once upon a time, there was a time. There was a once upon a time. There was an old rock. Once upon a time. 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 And no one lived happily ever after. Fairy tales for unwanted children. Find us on iTunes or at periodically.ca.